0: And welcome to Grand Final History, a history of VFL and AFL premierships. My name is Kieran McGee and thanks for joining me on this journey, where, as the cliche goes, we will be taking it one season at a time, starting way back in 1897, the first year of the VFL, where there wasn't even a grand final. The premiership was decided as the result of a round-robin system, but there was plenty of drama and excitement. So let's set the scene for the moment. The VFL's first year, in 1897, Victoria was still a colony. Important conferences were being held this year and in the next, leading to Australia becoming a country in 1901. Victoria was still recovering from a finance and banking crash that had a huge impact on many people. Many banks had gone bust, people had lost their jobs, lost all their savings, businesses had failed, and in the early 1890s, Unemployment was estimated to be as high as one-third of the working population. Looking at football, the biggest news was the birth of the Victorian Football League. The VFL was a breakaway from the older Victorian Football Association. The VFA had been established 20 years earlier, in 1877. It was not the central organising entity that we have come to expect from sporting associations these days. In the early years, fixtures were decided by the individual club secretaries. A formal awarding of points for a win and a ladder did not appear until 1888. Centralised control of fixtures occurred in 1894. Despite the VFA considering itself the leading example of Australian rules football, all was not well in the local game. One of the leading newspapers of the time, the Argus, ran a blistering editorial in 1896 declaring that it has become painfully apparent for some time That football, as now played in Melbourne, has altogether lost cause. The majority of players compare unfavourably with some of the old teams who made the game a great one. Attendances have fallen away greatly, while not more than a third of the games excite any interest. The media complaining about the state of the game and how things were better in the past is one of the many fine traditions of the game. As has been the case many times, the stronger clubs were tired of carrying the weaker clubs and they were frustrated with the administration of the game. The final straw was when the VFA decided that gate takings would be pooled and divided equally amongst all clubs. On the eve of the 1896 VFA Grand Final, a rebellion was hatched by the stronger clubs at Buxton's Art Gallery in Collins Street, where the leaders of six clubs, Collingwood, Essendon, Fitzroy, Geelong, South Melbourne and Melbourne, met to form the new Victorian Football League. They soon invited St Kilda and Carlton to join. Several rule changes were also introduced at the start of the 1897 football season to address on-field problems of the game. Many histories attribute these rule changes to the newly formed VFL. However, most of them were as a result of recommendations made by a VFA subcommittee during the 1896 season, rather than the formation of the league itself. The little mark, where a ball only had to travel two yards, was abandoned and the minimum distance of 10 yards was introduced for a mark. Also, the ball had to be thrown in by the field umpire after going out of bounds rather than being bounced. These rules took effect in both the VFA and the VFL from 1897. The one new rule adopted came from the Collingwood delegate, who initiated a move that saw behinds counted in the team score with a goal to register as six points and a behind as one. Amongst the changes rejected was a proposal to erect a crossbar 10 feet from the ground over which the ball had to pass to be counted as a goal. The exercise of introducing a new rule at the start of the season is also a very well-established tradition of the game. The fixture was planned so that each of the eight teams would play each other twice in the regular season and then the top four teams would play a round-robin to decide the premiership. During the round-robin finals, each team would play each other once. While an even home and away draw made sense, the finals round robin was to prove controversial and would only last one season. There would be many, many attempts to derive a satisfactory final system in the years to come. The VFL season kicked off on the 8th of May 1897, where Essendon travelled to the Corio Oval to play Geelong. Cadinia Park only became Geelong's home ground in 1941. Despite the trip, Essendon were able to win the first game, However, next week, Collingwood brought Essendon, known at the time as the same olds, back to ground by defeating them by 24 points. The same olds then won five games in a row before losing the rematch with Geelong at Essendon's home ground, at the time the East Melbourne Cricket Ground on the corner of Wellington and Jollymont Parades. It was closed in 1921 and is now used as the Jollymont Rail Yards. Wendy Hill became Essendon's home ground in 1922. Meanwhile, Geelong, despite losing their first three games, Finished the season on top of the ladder, Essendon and Geelong were considered favourites to take out the round-robin finals to be contested with Melbourne, who finished third, and Collingwood making it the top four. There was controversy before the round-robin final series even began. Geelong believed they had the right to a home final and threatened not to play unless they had a home game. The Age supported Geelong's right for a home final by pointing out that after losing the first three games of the season and thought out of contention for the finals, They had pluckily pulled themselves together and won the next 11 matches right off the reel and are now running a dead heat with Essendon for first place. And their reward is being refused even the chance of playing one of the last three matches of the season on their own ground in the presence of local supporters who are justly proud of them. In an observation that could be made over a 100 years later, The Age also pointed out the explanation unblushingly made is simply that the bigger club dividend will be obtained by restricting the matches to the leading metropolitan grounds. That is, the VFL would make more money if the games were played in Melbourne. The VFL relented, or returned to the original agreement, depending on whose side of the argument you were on, and Essendon had to travel back down to Geelong for the first week of the round-robin finals. On Saturday, August 21, Geelong hosted Essendon and Melbourne played Collingwood. Despite having the home ground advantage and over 5,000 supporters, Geelong lost their opening final to Western by six points after some very inaccurate kicking for goal. Over a hundred years later, Geelong lost another home final when they hosted Fremantle in the 2013 qualifying final. Two home finals for two losses. Perhaps the Cats should consider whether they really do want a home final in future. Back to season 1897, where in the other game of the first week of the finals, Collingwood beat Melbourne by four points at the MCG in front of seven thousand people. Week 2 of the finals saw all games in Melbourne. Essendon played Collingwood, while Melbourne took on Geelong. Essendon had a big last quarter, winning by 40 points in front of 8,000 people at the MCG, becoming the only undefeated team. At the Brunswick Street Oval, with a crowd of 4,000, Geelong managed to get back on the winning list by beating Melbourne by 9 points. The third round of the finals saw Essendon play the winless Melbourne at the Lakeside Oval, while Geelong took on Collingwood at the East Melbourne Cricket Ground. If Essendon beat Melbourne, they would be Premiers. If Melbourne were to win, the round-robin finals would continue for another week, with Essendon to play the winner of the Geelong-Collingwood game. It was an odd situation. As mentioned earlier, there were already calls for a new finals system. Both games were on Saturday, September 4th. Fans who had read the papers on Friday would have seen ads for the game in the age and the entrance fee at one sixpence and an extra shilling to get to the grandstand. This equates to about $4 to get into the ground and an extra $8 for the grandstand. That's an interesting comparison to today's finals prices. Those same supporters reading the newspaper on Saturday morning really wouldn't have seen much mention of the football in the age and only a paragraph in the Argus telling the reader that there were two VFL games on and that the Premiership would be decided if Essendon won. Of course, there was other news of the day, including the fact that the British were fighting in Afghanistan and that Greece were negotiating with a number of European countries about their loan repayments. What do they say about history repeating? Essendon's big game was at the Lakeside Oval in South Melbourne, and the umpire was Samuel Hood. Umpire Hood was to generate a rule change all on his own in the next season, when on the 12th of August 1898, the league issued a directive that all field umpires were banned from playing. After umpire Hood had played in the VFA for Footscray against North Melbourne in August, He umpired a total of 37 games from 1897 to 1899, and this was his only final. 4,000 spectators were at South Melbourne's home ground to watch Essendon play Melbourne. It was considered a respectable crowd at the time, but it would be dwarfed by the attendances in the years to come. However, they were destined to see one of the most unusual games of Australian rules football in VFL-AFL history. With only one goal scored, it holds the record for the lowest aggregate score in any VFL, AFL game. The Geelong Advertiser tells us, The game was very stubbornly contested from the start, and at the end of the first quarter the scores were Melbourne, three behinds, three points, to Essendon, one behind, one point. The second quarter of the contest proved quite as exciting as the first, it providing a give-and-take struggle right through the piece, and when half-time was called, the scores were equal. There was also controversy when Essendon thought they had a goal just before the end of the second quarter, but Wall's goal was disallowed by the umpire, who ruled that the bell, no sirens in those days, had rung just before the ball had been kicked. This decision was supported by Observer in the Argus. A huge crosswind was making scoring difficult for both sides, and things did not improve in the second half. In the words of Follower at the Age, it was a wretched game to watch in the second half when Melbourne were making ludicrously unsuccessful attempts to play handball. The last match of the season to decide the Premiership was productive of play that any admirer of football would willingly have missed. Clearly, media criticising the quality of play is not a recent phenomenon. As I said, because of the win, both sides were having trouble scoring, and Melbourne even managed to hit the post three times. The one goal for the entire game was scored by Essendon in the third quarter and it was as odd as the overall game. As described by Observer in the Argus, when Forbes took a deliberate shot, both sides were so sure that it would go through, or very close, that players flocked to the centre, leaving Croft alone near the fence. Forbes' shot was a miserable one, for the ball spun right round to Croft, who picked it up and promptly put it through. Finally, at least one team had scored a goal. Edgar Croft only played 15 games in his entire VFL career, but he had the honour of kicking Essendon's first and only goal in their Premiership match. The last quarter saw each side score two points, leaving Essendon the winners by one solitary goal. One goal, eight behinds, 14 points, to Melbourne. No goals, eight behinds, eight points. Essendon were undefeated after playing each side in the top four. Despite Geelong beating Collingwood on the same afternoon, there would be no playoff. Essendon had the flag. There were no Premiership Cups, though, as these were not presented until 1959, although the AFL did begin issuing retrospective Cups from 2004. Let's have a look at the media coverage in the VFL's first year in 1897. There was obviously no TV or radio, and newspaper coverage was much simpler than what we see today. Not much in the way of photos, and only a small number of articles compared to today's blanket coverage. But some things have not changed. The headline still depends... On the local perspective. After Essendon had gone through the round robin finals undefeated, the Geelong Advertiser's headline on its football coverage on the following Monday was The League Premiership for 1897 Geelong, runners up! While there was some acknowledgement of Essendon's triumph, most of the focus was on the local team. Many of today's football journalists have expressed their frustration at the style of play or the efforts of umpires. They are simply following a tradition that dates back to 1897 and earlier. Observer writing in The Age noted in his following review on the AFL's first season, As the season advanced, the play on many occasions became less open and satisfactory, which in measure may be ascribed to over-legislation of the silly order. Instead of recognising the central umpire as a man of intelligence and common sense, the umpire committee has treated them as if they were children, has called on them to be lectured and to be instructed until the players are bewildered by different umpires adopting various systems. I'm sure we'll see similar comments made by some of our current commentators when they review this year's season. So, in conclusion, it was a successful start to the VFL experiment. The crowds had come along, and Esserton were the premier team. The press were giving priority to the new VFL over the established VFA, Reflecting the popularity of the clubs in the VFL. But the following season would see the first of many changes to the final systems and the round robin was consigned to history. Well, almost. But we'll have to wait till the 1924 season to see that development. Join me next time for Grand Final History where we see how the VFL's second season unfolds in the year 1898. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave reviews wherever you get your podcasts from. It will help others to find it. If you have any questions or want to leave feedback, please email me at info at grandfinalhistory.com.au and check out the grandfinalhistory.com.au website or our Facebook page and Twitter accounts. Thanks and I hope you join me next time.